If you're vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be a Frankenstein's monster of gameplay, and here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to, can I run a Halloween session in my current game if I haven't thought about it until the very last minute? And can we borrow some mechanics from spooky party games to bring tension into the real world? And can we ensure it's all wrapped up and we're back to normal by the next session? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. So. All Hallow's Eve is uh-huh. finally here. Yeah. It kind of crept up on me because I've been away for a bit. <laughs> well, and I'm the kind of guy who gets really excited for Halloween every year. And I go, yeah, you know what? This, this is going to be the year that I go for something big. It's not going to be like last year. No, no. I'm going all out. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Well... <laughs> Well, then the weekend rolls up, and then I go, oh, shit, it's like, it's Friday, Halloween's on, on Monday, uh, can I, no, uh. <laughs> Things are very busy, and yeah. then, yeah, <laughs> then you realize that time has indeed passed once again. <laughs> Inevitably, I always end up doing the thing where it's like, you know, you end up putting together a costume that's like a play on words or something like that. Where you're like, you get some vampire fangs and then you wear a suit and you're like, yeah, I'm a blood sucking lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) For a second, I was like, what's even the wordplay there? (laughs) (laughs) See, fair. And then you gotta like everyone, you gotta explain your costume to everyone. Or you get the like, the dollar store safety glasses and then you get the yellow rubber gloves from underneath the kitchen sink that are covered in all kinds of weird, there's hairs on them, obviously. Um, who knows who's, and then you're like, yeah, I'm Walter White, or I'm a yeah. spooky mad scientist. Put some Listerine in a jar or something. Act like it's <laughs> a wild substance. Yeah. When that happens to me, I like to cram my head into one of the way too small Batman masks. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> say, hey, look, it's Batman again. <laughs> Your child's Batman costume. Yeah. The floppy ears. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good look. So why are you talking about all this? Uh, well, because similarly, my desire to build the, an epic Halloween costume that requires like painter stilts or some shit like that, where everyone goes, whoa, that was a lot of effort, is very similar to the way that I run my games, mm-hmm. where Halloween creeps up and I go, oh, shit, I should probably run a Halloween session. <laughs> Especially if you've promised one to your group. <laughs> it's six o'clock. They won't be here till eight. So yeah. maybe I got time. Yeah, yeah. whip something together and pretend that you did it on purpose. <laughs> My problem is that I never seemingly have enough time for prep, or I'm just really shit at planning. Sure. <laughs> well, something else that always comes up, we've talked about this before, but you know, you start planning, and then you just pull the scariest monster from the book you can, hoping that that'll, that'll solve the problem. Right, yeah. Look up a Wendigo or something like that. It's going to be scary. It's going to be spooky. But in the end, it's still a stat block, yeah, you, and there's nothing, you know. You still got to plan some spookiness to it. <laughs> you can't just let let that do all the work. And don't worry, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, we're not going to rehash the old Bones of Horror. We did a whole three-part series on yeah. that. So that's not what this is about. This is about how do we put together something that feels really good very, very last minute. A quick little aside that doesn't have to necessarily relate to your epic campaign, but just a a quick, easy, fun, throw-it-together Halloween special. Yeah. The other challenge here is that we want to make sure that it doesn't derail our regular campaign. You know, like you said, it's a little Halloween aside. With Christmas coming up, you don't want to be untangling the plot threads that you set up in Halloween. you got to be able to run another seasonal some (laughs) shit later. Unless you're doing specifically the Nightmare Before Christmas, it could work. 
<laughs> you could just blend the two into That's one whole, another. Yeah. Whole project in itself. <laughs> so this ended up having us think about what is the solution. And it brought up some interesting ideas. We remember playing some very fun, very spooky board games and party games and stuff like that in our youth. Could we use that? Could we use some of those ideas to slapdash something that was actually fun together at the very last minute? And to walk the talk, like Jordan said, you've been away for the last little while. Yes. This whole concept for this episode came up like four days ago or something like that. <laughs> so we are, in fact, putting this together. We're walking the talk. Uh, this is very last minute. And you've barely had any time to acclimatize yourself yeah. to what I'm talking about today. Or to time itself. Like, I'm still <laughs> delirious yeah. from from my big day of travel. I'm like 14 hours off of the local time here. So <laughs> I'm a mess. <laughs> He's barely keeping it together. Yeah. So let's figure out how we can slap together a Halloween-themed session in the Extra Dimensional Gateway. This is the Extra Dimensional Gateway, where strange yet familiar alternate realities can be summoned forth when help is needed. All right, so let's chat about some of our favorite party games so that we can gather some inspiration of what we're going to infuse into our Halloween game. So let me pitch this one to you. Do you remember at all, Jordan, playing Wink Murder when we were kids? Well, I remember like the the core of it, which was that there was a murderer in the group and they winked at you to kill you and then you had to immediately die. It was quite fun, quite a thrill. I don't really remember anything besides that. <laughs> <laughs> this out of context would be a terrifying childhood memory <laughs> what wink murder is is it kind of conjures the essence of good murder mystery like knives out you know people are dying left right and center and nobody knows who's behind it and you're trying to suss it out while the participants slowly get whittled down yeah with like the simplest mechanics ever yeah so to explain the rules of this game to you, in the version of the game that you and I played, and the killer, like you said, is going around silently winking at people. And when people register that they have, in fact, been winked at, they throw a big, you know, they make a big show of dying. Yeah, dramatic death. Once someone has a suspicion of who is, in fact, the murderer, they accuse and if they are in fact wrong, then they themselves die. So this happens to all of good detectives, right? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> if you <laughs> accuse an innocent person, they murder you. <laughs> but in this game, there are multiple rule sets floating around about this, but this is the one that I recall. And so, yeah, basically, you go until you can figure out who the murderer is. Yeah, one of those like group consciousness games that always shifts a little bit depending on who who's heard of what. Right, and who remembers what rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's really cool about this, obviously, people keep getting whittled down. It keeps getting more and more intense. I'd love to figure out how to tap into some of that. You're super paranoid the entire time because of this one subtle rule, the wink. Like you have to be watching everyone at all times, which is an impossibility. So you're just on edge. Yeah. And it builds into you like you actually do kind of feel on yeah. edge. You're like, ah, who is it? I know it's not me, <laughs> but it could be anybody. And like you start to get a little paranoid. I think what's kind of neat about this is that if you ever play like Wink Murder, uh, it can take as long as you want. So you can play this at an actual party and it can just be a side game that's happening at the party. <laughs> I've I've been to like college parties where this is happening. So. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun. And it's always fun to get into a dramatic death. Come on. Yeah. And I think that this, you know, it can be worked into the D&D table. I'm pretty sure it's, uh, you know, a group of people that are all kind of looking at each other already. Right. And we kind of have that working against us that everyone's kind of looking like in a game of Wink Murder, you're all kind of meandering right. around. But we're all sitting at the table staring at one another. But I think what will make this work is the fact that 
usually we've got character sheets, we've got phones, we've got interactions, right. we've got people talking to one another. Looking up rules. Yeah, 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 so there's lots of opportunities to kind of wink at one another, mm-hmm. be real subtle and sly about it. So the second game that I want to try to capture the essence of is One Night Werewolf. Ah, yes. Not to be confused with the long-form werewolf game, but One Night Werewolf is really fast, and it's the one that we've played a shit ton of. Yeah, it's like a a pretty compact little card game. The rules are are pretty straightforward, but it gets pretty complex and messy. Yeah. Good. So if you haven't heard of this game before, the basic rules is that a round starts by everyone choosing a card and looking at who they are on that series of cards. Each card has an identity. That's your identity for the round. Right. And each identity has a thing that it can do. So everyone closes their eyes and a audio cue is, leads you through who does what, when, while everyone else's eyes are closed. The eyes closed stage is narratively uh, a night cycle. Yeah. And during that night cycle, werewolves are running around causing some problems. But what gets really cool is when the night cycle ends, everyone opens their eyes and now it's a mystery to solve who is the werewolf and who isn't. However, there is a wrench in the works in that some roles are working with everyone else and some are working against and some are just there to screw with things and <laughs> yeah. make it more complex and weird and tough to figure out who the werewolf is. So like some identities are werewolves, some identities are werewolf minions who are on the side of the werewolves. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's, it's true chaos and it's a <laughs> lot of fun. I actually introduced this to, I, I worked at a tech startup some time ago and I introduced this as our lunchtime activity and it, hook over because you can play through the whole game in about 10 minutes right so you can do a quick round of paranoid deduction and go have a sandwich yeah and it's uh it's rapid sleuthing it's under a time limit so that pressure is on everyone's just kind of like yelling at one another and trying to figure out who's who (laughs) and recounting steps and who did what when yeah and then also trying to figure out who's lying about doing what who what and when So I wonder how we can capture some of that essence, some of that, like, who is it? Who is the person among us? Yeah. Well, that that mechanic has spawned its own kind of genre of games. Like, there's so many that are like this. You have Among Us, which was blew up as a PC game for a while there. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. people love not knowing who the culprit <laughs> is. So we definitely need to figure out a way that we can capture some of that. Yeah. But the final game that we want to try and steal some from is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Now, this is such a cool game for having these triggered moments. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. And like major shifts. So if you're not familiar with this board game, the concept is players explore a haunted house, getting different items and upgrades and downgrades until one of those players triggers the haunt. So there's a whole bunch of different things that can happen. But essentially, most of the time, it's some form of one of the players turns bad and turns on the rest of the group. And then it's that one player against the rest of the group. And they've usually got some kind of like upgraded ability or they're stronger now. Right. And there's all these different randomized scenarios that happen. And for those that are more into D&D, uh, we have the flavor as well of the betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is actually fully D&D themed. So yeah, tons of fun. And what I like about this is that it's cooperative until it's not. Yeah, <laughs> very distinct shift. You've done a lot of strategy in the cooperation phase and all of that goes completely out the window when the game shifts. <laughs> and we all know it's bad news to pit players against one another generally in games like D&D. Yeah. You know, that's that's always kind of a tense thing. But I think what softens it in games like this is that there's triggered moments and those special abilities that really kind of say that, hey, uh, this isn't me. You know, I okay, was yeah. working with you. We're still friends. 
but now I'm <laughs> acting on my own accord and I have to do something horrible to you. Yeah. And that's part of the reason that I like it within the context of a one-off, you know, uh, Halloween special. Like, this isn't going to be introduced in your campaign. One person's not going evil forever. Yeah. I like that because each player in the game is kind of gaining different strengths throughout, it's really kind of individualizing each character so that there is strategy based on who the one that gets possessed is. You know, are they physically stronger? Are they a lot faster? What are we going to do? Right. We got to think about it based on each individual, not just on like us versus them. Right. Yeah. So it, it changes depending on who becomes haunted or so. Yeah, that that adds a lot to that gameplay. and I dig that. Yeah. It's also very movement based. Like there's a lot of ground to cover. And I think that's a lot of fun trying to like chase each other down. But having those limitations, which games like D&D already have a lot of those movement limitations. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, pretty standard across TTRPGs. Okay, we have some cool inspiration that now we can fold into this. Let's blend it all up. Mix all these ideas together into a terrible goo of something good <laughs> in Lamash 2's Breeding Pit. Oh, watch where you step in Lamash 2's Breeding Pit, where the most vile and deadly creatures are birds and unleashed upon doomed adventurers. Well, the cool thing about this episode in this segment is that we actually had an open hangout for patrons of the show to come and write the show with me. Jordan wasn't here, so I needed somebody to conspire <laughs> with. Thanks for filling in for me. Yeah, and we were actually joined by Lila Leprechaun and Dangerous Marmalade, to whom we owe a, a lot. whole bunch of yeah. these ideas. So Three very brilliant minds that have helped us with a lot of stuff. One of those cool benefits of being a patron, wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. So what we were trying to achieve was a story that fulfilled a few different needs. It needed to be a single session, so no plot threads that derail any regular campaign story. Yes, something I am very prone to doing. We also needed it to be able to slot in anywhere, into any story, on a countryside, in a city, in a town far away, it doesn't matter. Base? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think so. I think we could probably make that work. Yeah. We also needed to have a lot of fun. We need players to enjoy it, but we also don't want it to devolve into a player versus player kind of fist fight. There's a genre of Halloween movie that's like spooky, but easy. It's like light, but scary. <laughs> I think the main priority for us was that we just didn't want players to come away feeling like they were pit against one another. So that is a very delicate line to walk. Yeah. Because you need to make sure that, yeah, those players are never using some of their abilities or feeling like they're underwhelmed or overwhelmed by certain other players' abilities. So, yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing to try to hit. And honestly, you, as the GM of your group, know if it's going to work or not for your group. Like, you definitely got to have some trust at the table to ever attempt anything with PvP. So, use caution. Yeah. If you have got your players buy-in, here's the quick story overview. There exists a children's ghost story in this region about an old Pied Piper-like ghost that lures people to their doom. When you hear the sound of the woodwind, plug your ears and close your eyes and hope he doesn't choose you. Those that are chosen are never heard from again. It's just a children's ghost story, though. Sounds, sounds kind of like an adult ghost story to me. <laughs> sounds pretty threatening. Yeah, fair enough. So here, Jared, let me walk you through the kind of backstory that we as a group came up with. Sure. So hundreds of years ago, people would disappear with an unnatural fog. Always got to be there. Yeah. And that would roll into town and 
people would wander off and never be heard from again. For many years, rumors of hearing flutes and woodwinds held the town in a death grip of fear. All right, they're banned, most likely. Not going to find a lot of woodwinds around town. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of flutes. Nobody <laughs> plays flutes here. Nobody's yeah. very musical. This is a very somber kind of place. <laughs> Makes sense. And it took decades to finally discover that it was a local musician and teacher who was the cause of these disappearances. They found a dungeon behind a locked door in their basement of their house where they it was clear that they were inflicting some kind of terrible fate on their victims. We were kind of thinking like dark rituals to change themselves and like to use the people that they abducted, you know, twist and morph themselves into something really horrific. Right. Mutations, grafting of hearts. Yeah. All that nasty business. I mean, this is the flexibility of this story is that I think you can kind of flavor it for whatever's going on in your world. Right. You know, it's a clockwork something or other that needed to be powered by human souls or some shit. Yeah. Basically, you're saying whatever monster you want to throw in the mix is fine, depending on your system, your story, your setting. Yeah. If I'm running this, I'm lighting some candles. You know, obviously, give your players a heads up about what you're what you're going to get up to. But back to our story. So the mob of townspeople, this angry mob, finally figures out who it is. They simply overwhelm them, and they are unable to kill them with traditional means. So with the aid of a powerful sorcerer, they were able to flay the spirit from the physical form of the musician, and then they take that physical form, and they lock it in a vessel like a casket or a sarcophagus or something like that. And they leave it in the basement and they cast a spell on it that wards away the spiritual entity that they ripped from its body. Mm, You'll separate the soul trick. Yes, I've tried that on you before. (laughs) While I'm sleeping, I'm (laughs) certain of it. (laughs) I don't think it worked. (laughs) Oh no, I have no soul. (laughs) All right, success. Yeah, they did that. And then they put a powerful spell on the dungeon itself preventing the spirit from ever leaving that dungeon. So presumably, (laughs) it is forever trapped. Nice. With its physical form, but unable to reunite with it. And yeah, it's just like waiting in this basement forever. Tormented as shit. Now we all know if you tell a group of teenagers to stay away (laughs) from a haunted house, they generally listen to you. Yeah. Yeah, they'll stay away for a long time. Same with parties of heroes. <laughs> Absolutely. So they've this has worked for seemingly hundreds of years. Now, yeah, of course, your party of adventurers wanders into town. And now, here we go. The only trick that I think we kind of ran into when we were thinking through this story is the players need some kind of motivation. Sure. You always got to have a good hook. Yeah. So... We were leaning towards the magical seal on the tomb itself that keeps the spirit contained there. Okay. It's starting to weaken. Mm-hmm. Maybe not weaken so that it can escape, but weaken enough that it's influence. It's like ability to lull you into that trance and, you know, summon you. And so everyone's starting to feel the tug of the spirit. And that's why. When the adventurers wander into this town, everyone's got their earplugs in. <laughs> They're all trying to keep it keep it tamped down. They're all afraid of the stories that they've heard. But of course, the adventurers, they're not afraid of anything. Right. Nobody in the town has quite stepped up to go check things out <laughs> on their own free will. No. Why yeah. would they go down there? Uh, or maybe somebody has and they haven't come back. That's well, always... exactly. Yeah. You could go and rescue them. That's yeah, yeah, a great yeah. plot. There you go. I think you could even have one of the players start to sense it or like feel this gentle pull. Okay, okay. Just foreshadowing, giving them an idea that, you know, things are going bad. Yeah. Now, we all know that player characters are often very money motivated. Yeah. So we could say that, uh, you know, the musician had a collection of rare musical instruments that are worth a small fortune. Or if they're motivated by powerful items some of those instruments do nasty things to people right yeah 
Well, I mean, very simply, you could even create like a musical instrument that does something like uh, cast suggestion if you're playing, you know, 5th yeah. edition D&D. Mind influencing like effect. Yeah. Right? That's the vibe. That's all we're after. I mean, you can tie this in with Dory if you want. Sure, it wouldn't be that hard to have somebody that the party's looking for or some MacGuffin be down there. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all we also have to do is just make it very clear that it's only going to get worse. Like you said, there's already people that have gone missing. People are starting to like get to their breaking point. We really got to show that this town is on the precipice of something horrible. It's shook. Shooketh, yes. Yeah. So, thoughts so far? Are you, you digging this direction? Oh, absolutely. Got all the classic Halloween-y vibes. We've got people on the brink, got stress and... A little bit of musical flavor. That's good. Good. I think we need to just run it quickly through our story circle, make sure that it makes sense. Yeah. In this single session, we are going to have, you know, players come across this town. We need to establish, you know, what normal looks like. You know, I'd even foreshadow some really creepy stuff with like they meet an old musician on the road who's like singing their songs and playing their flute really like jovially. Thank the gods for music. It's such a joyous gift. There could be a couple of clues that he's kind of kind of tweaking, kind of <laughs> going off the rails on his own. Yeah, as he gets the hell out of town. Yeah. Like he's the <laughs> only wise one that's piecing out. So then we hook the players, of course. We need to discover that the town with the earplugs, fog, discordant music always like flitting mm-hmm. through the air. Somebody sits them down and lights their own candle right underneath their face to give them a nice glow and tells the ghost story. So good. So good. Because <laughs> you, as the GM, can do that yeah. so easily. You grab the old flashlight under the chin trick. Mm-hmm. Somebody that maybe just crawled out has a couple of uh, horrifying tales of their own to tell or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's a good idea, actually. Especially if there's like somebody leaving town that the party encounters and you all get into telling ghost stories and one of them is in fact the actual ghost story from the town <laughs> so they don't know what is real and what isn't but lo and behold the next town they come across is in fact the town from the ghost story holy shit not too much foreshadowing travis one off <laughs> one off don't expand all right back it up got it so we need to kick the whole thing off. We need an event that the players can't ignore. Mm-hmm. So maybe somebody from the town that they've met disappears the next day. If they stay in a tavern or something like that, we can flash forward really quickly. Somebody's panicked in the morning. So-and-so's gone missing. Yeah. Or whatever crucial, again, MacGuffin that they needed for their own ends. Right. Escalate. So then we need to challenge them. They enter the tomb. They discover, you know, uh. They discover the remains of somebody in there already, you know, found in a pit trap or something like that. So the concept that, you know, there's very dangerous things here well, is introduced. Yes, yes. And specifically, that came up in our brainstorming session because we were thinking, like, what would the town do if they had this tomb with this spirit running amok and they were worried about the spirit ever reuniting with its body? Well... What if the spirit could possess someone? Okay. You need a way of stopping people. Even if it's a local teen who got dared to go in there, they cannot make it to that body. So the town prepares a bunch of traps. All right. And it's not a trap for the monster itself, but for some unwitting pawn <laughs> that might try to free it. Damn. Yeah. Okay, well, I think what we need here, when the party enters, that challenge stage. I think we need a little bit more foreshadowing earlier on. Part of that ghost story is that maybe a group of teens or that last group of people trying to solve this did go in there. So then when the party goes in, they find the remains of a group of people that turned on each other. A couple of them are in traps. Ooh. A couple of them have shanked the other ones in the ribs. You know, Dear Lord. Like, <laughs> something went wrong. You also just reminded me that if I was telling that ghost story around the campfire, I'm going to lean right into the like standard story of bookhand, <laughs> yeah. you know, stranger. I, I would lean right into that, into like 
a group of horny teens were just <laughs> looking for a place to go and, you know, easy grope each other. <laughs> yeah. And they chose this tomb, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. is the standard kind of like, well, you're stupid teens mm-hmm. if you thought that that dilapidated haunted house was a place that you were going to go throw a party. There's better places. The teen party, that'd be perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> teens took their flutes down. <laughs> Dumb yes, teens. The fantasy equivalent yeah. of like, yeah, we're taking the old stereo down to the lake. <laughs> Got all the instruments. <laughs> Gonna play some tunes. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So then we get into the choice. Here's where it gets really interesting. And we've been working on some mechanics for making this happen. Basically, the party enters and finds themselves haunted, just like in the trail at House on the Hill, where one of the party members is possessed by the spirit. Yeah. Okay. So they have a choice. They've got to figure out how to stop the spirit from reaching its own body with one of the party members' bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It now has a form and it can go and release itself. What it really wants is it wants its original form. It could give a shit about one of the player characters' bodies. So the game shifts here as to one v the rest of the party. Basically. And the party's goal at this point becomes stop that that spirit from reuniting with its body, which means somehow stopping your fellow party member. Yeah. The trick is, is that they have to now deal with this problem. At some point, they'll start to hopefully piece together that the spirit is in one of them at all times, even if it's not acting. And like, that's a terrifying proposition. Right. So it could be kind of play it cool and it shifts from person to person, you're saying. Yeah. That's going to be part of the fun of the gameplay. Part of the mechanic is that it's going to be jumping from person to person. So there's going to be some serious paranoia as to who is currently hosting this thing. And the cool thing is that the players at the table know that one of the other players at the table knows who it is because it's probably (laughs) them. Like, I love the fact that this kind of semi transcends the game that we're playing through the vehicle of. A TTRPG. You still get to role play your character, but it's got this other layer on it. Yeah. You don't usually get to dabble in in a tabletop role playing game. Correct. We're going to muck around. We've got some mechanics that we think will make this whole phase of this game work. Right. If the possessed party member succeeds in their goal, then they get to the body and the body rises and it's a cool, classic, big old monster battle. Right. But if the party manages to somehow keep this event from happening right they still have to reconcile with the fact that somewhere inside one of them is this spirit right they may have stopped it from reuniting but it's not leaving them right this is a great opportunity to just deal with the monster on their own terms like if they're able to stop it from getting to the body then they just have the upper hand at that point i think the party is going to be sitting there being like okay well what do we do with yeah the spirit now and they might come to the conclusion that they can still bring it to the corpse, but now they have a lot more control in the situation. I think so. Yeah. So I don't know that I, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. Like if one player given special spirit abilities manages to get there, to juke their way through a dungeon away from all of their companions, figures a way away from them, uh, or maybe, yeah, they just get together and be like, all right, we got to figure out a better way of doing this. Yeah. And of course, the party could solve it in some completely unpredictable creative way. And that's a radical victory as well. Yeah. It's a good way to wrap things up. Then, of course, they fight the final form of the monster, which I think a really important point here is that you can use any monster. Like, right. whatever is level appropriate to your character's This weirdo musician was trying to do all kinds of dark rituals to make himself into whatever the hell you want him to make himself into. Yeah. So you can use a demon template, or it doesn't matter the TTRPG that you're playing. You look through the monster manual, you figure out what you want to throw in there. Yeah, you find the appropriate bow for this situation. And then, of course, they defeat it, and we get to live through the aftermath, figure out how all of this stuff plays out, figure out how their choices have affected the world, yeah. and on we go. Because, I mean, 
if I were, uh, you know, a morally darker party, there's always the option of suckering somebody from town in and trapping the spirit in them. Dear like, God, I, I just... didn't think they had that idea, <laughs> but thanks for putting that into the world. You're welcome. That's my contribution. Holy shit, that took a turn. I'm saying there's options. <laughs> <laughs> one of them teens, <laughs> if it's got to be one of us. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the session rules. This is going to be the oddest bit of this whole thing because we're introducing a new layer of rules on top of this whole concept. So here it goes. Here's this like mix of rules that we've stolen from those three separate games. And we're going to post these in the show notes and on our website for this episode. So if you <laughs> don't want to follow this, or you can't follow this, check it out there. Yes. Thank you. Great call out. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk you through some of the rules here. So the first one, the GM is going to choose a number on a die and the players are going to roll until someone hits it. At that point, the GM at some point during the game is going to be able to wink at the player who will become possessed. Just to be clear, the players don't know the results of that roll. Right. The GM knows who's going to get possessed. The players are still completely in the dark. Yeah. So the GM just chooses a number and waits for one of the players to hit it and yeah, keeps it a secret. Yeah. So then if you are possessed as a player, your player character has no idea and will deny it if accused. Much like those other games, you've got the secret knowledge. You're trying to play it cool as a player. <laughs> yeah. And the GM is going to give a musical cue to those that are possessed. So, you know, you just simply play a, a wonderful musical hit from tabletop audio or something like that. Little flute note. Yep. And that triggers that possession. So the GM can give a horrifying description of what's happening. Everyone gets to roll initiative and the possessed goes first in the initiative order, no matter what, since it's kind of in control of the situation. All right. Then the player gets to look at a special ability that only they have, and they get to immediately use it. This special ability is usually in line with trying to put some distance in between them and the rest of the party. So it's, you know, we're going to randomize a couple of cool abilities, and that's going to give them an opportunity to get away from the party and beeline it through the dungeon to get to the coffin to open it. Right. The trick is, is that we don't want players using any of their crazy abilities that their player characters have. So all they get is the special spirit ability that they've been assigned and their movement. And that's it. No okay. magic, no special abilities other than what that spirit is given to them, basically. Stripping down whatever abilities that character has, basically. Right. We don't yeah. want rogues sneak attacking people and, like you said, shanking the rest <laughs> of the party. Yeah. So if the possessed is unsuccessful at getting to the coffin, you know, say the party manages to get in their way, to block them, to restrain them, whatever they need to do, well, then that possessed person can attempt to wink at another player secretly, and the cycle starts again. Nice. So while everyone's sitting around the table talking about their abilities, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. That possessed person is waiting for an opportunity when nobody else is looking and they make that wonderful eye contact with someone else across <laughs> the table and they sneak in that wink and now they don't have to worry about it. You guys, I'm fine. It's me. It's me. I'm fine. I think it's gone. <laughs> oh, no. Now there's someone else at the table that's now living with this thing. And it's just great because it stops very obvious solutions like, you know, tie them up chain them down right well, i mean unless we all chain ourselves down <laughs> and what's really cool is like games like D D, where there are spells that stop a spirit from possessing someone's body you know like the something evil and good purge evil and good i yeah, forget yeah. the name of the Some spell of more advanced stuff yeah yeah but there are in fact spells in games like that that can get rid of these spirits good let them work. Yeah. Because the spirit's just now in someone else. <laughs> Jumping around, nimbly bimbly. Yeah. If the spirit is not making much progress after, say, two or three possessions, 
the GM can wink at another player. <laughs> and now the spirit is learning to inhabit multiple creatures at the same time. So right. we can progress this story no matter how clever our players get, we can find a way to push it through to an eventual conclusion. Keep the tension high. Pressurized. Yes. And then, of course, uh, when the players open the coffin, the spirit is reunited with its physical form. It ceases to possess anyone else and gains all of its abilities. Every one of the these special, unique abilities that each one of the players kind of has, it yeah. has all of them. All right. Layered on top of the stat block that the GM has chosen, and we get our big badass <laughs> fight at the end. Very good. Well, as you were kind of going through those, thought of a, a slight tweak because we talked about that moment in Werewolf where everyone's on edge, nobody knows who is possessed. Right. And I want to try and stretch that out. So what if you were saying that the possessed person goes first? Yes. What if the GM kind of doled out the initiative order and the possessed person went last? Oh, no. Because I was just thinking, like, say you got five people at the table, possessed person goes last, so the first person to go is like, it's not me, but it could be any of these four. Right. And the second person goes, and they say, okay, it's not us, but it's any of these three. <laughs> That's evil. <laughs> oh, you're diabolical. Yeah. Well, we need that that moment at the table of, like, suspicion, Right. And right. that's going to help stretch that out. Well, another thing that I think could add some interesting complexity that might be an optional thing is what if the town provides the party with like one or maybe two magically imbued goggles? You know, A, you get that awesome visual of like the ghost hunter with yeah. the special glasses. <laughs> <laughs> that spirit activity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but what it does is it allows them to see when the spirit is outside of someone's form, meaning they can see where it's going to. And mechanically, what this looks like is if one or two very special players at the table, if they see another person wink at someone else, they can block it or they can stop it from happening. Right. So if the possessed person is trying to pass it along by winking to somebody else at the table, only those players can stop it if they spot it. Right. Yeah. They can't stop it if it's them. But that's why there's maybe two of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, there's always somebody who's not even looking at their character sheet anymore cuz they can't st take their eyes off of anybody. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, like I'm wondering what other, you know, the town could have been preparing their best. They could have other items. They could have things that could help. If you're a little bit worried about uh, the odds here, like maybe like a one-time use that detects possession, something like that. Oh my God, we're making the Ghostbusters. That's the little <laughs> like thing with the little arms that come up and yes. start blinking. That's the exact item that we're giving the party for sure. <laughs> well, I think that there's ways that you could add a little bit more complexity to this as well, if that's what you want to do. Like... You know, giving the possessed or the party alternate goals within this dungeon. Because I like the idea of the chase and everyone's trying to like stop that possessed person. But what if, for example, the possessed person could open grates or iron gates that allow lesser monsters or minions to enter the fray? Ooh. You know, like things that would be in whatever dungeon you've chosen, like a, a swarm or an ooze or rats or something in that more natural vein. Right. Things that would obviously be in a long forgotten dungeon. Yeah. And that just adds more complexity to it. Exactly. I dig it. Or there could even be kind of a like give and take element where there's something in the dungeon, some lever or some some doorways to other tombs that increase or decrease the amount of fog in the dungeon. This actually came up during our brainstorming session is this idea of a creeping fog that even though there's no wind inside this <laughs> obvious tomb, it seems a little strange, that makes it extra creepy. Yeah. When there is a slight wind and this like fog that rolls in and rolls out of the tomb, meaning that it gives the possessed person an opportunity to maybe use half visibility or cover or something like that to make an escape. And additionally, 
I also have to add, uh, Lila during this brainstorm session came up with something truly haunting <laughs> that ties the entire thing thematically together with the wind and the fog and the possession and the musician and all of this other stuff and said, what if when somebody was possessed in that moment where the musical cue hits, <laughs> they appeared to be covered in holes like a woodwind. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, that's pretty gruesome. Like holes into their gore? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's awful. Whatever the solution is. Like I'm just picturing something that looks completely different that only vaguely looks like their friend and party member. Okay, but looks more yeah. like a twisted visage yeah. of you know, like them in an alternate reality where they are, you know, yeah, filled with holes straight <laughs> through them, through their gore, you know, just something that's making a whistle. They're now hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrifying. They're breathing in and whistling. <laughs> Horrifying. It's terrible. Anyway. Gonna need some uh, expansion on that one, Lila. Yeah, <laughs> I'm off. well. I'm gonna need s some kind of mental palate cleanse. No, 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 no. More, more. Gruesome. Oh, okay. Gross. Okay. Here's the thing: is that we've got some special spirit abilities. We've got a general sense of what we want to try to do. These are more or less based on like five E lair actions. That's that's what they're in the spirit of. But since we don't want to dive into all of the nuanced mechanics here, we'll give you the kind of the overview. You're saying that we're going to provide six abilities, one of them at random to whoever gets possessed. Is that the concept here? Let's say we've got six players at a table. Sure. I'm going to say print them out or write them down, and I'm going to put them at each one of our players' seating positions. Say, like, don't look at them oh. until the moment comes. Okay. And then they get to flip it over, find out what new spirit power they get because right. they're possessed. I see. Use it immediately. Blast everyone back or teleport 60 feet or anything like that. These cool, creepy kind of abilities that they get to flavor themselves and away they go. Nice. All right. I got you. So these abilities, like we said, there's, there's one based around teleporting. There's one based around giving extra mobility for the possessed. There's ones about blasting other players back, other player characters. Frightening and stunning. There's one that lets the possessed person turn into a fog. So it's all about getting through, getting away, getting everyone else back. Right. It's not about doing damage. Yeah. It's not about causing harm to other player characters. This is all mobility. Let's get to that coffin. What I hope is the result of you listening to this episode what I really hope you're able to do is to just sit down, go and find any old dungeon map, anything, anywhere. If you play with maps, if you do theater of the mind, great. But like, if you like maps, go and find a dungeon map and mark a bunch of traps, you know, simple, easy traps that aren't going to kill anyone, you know, just standard pit traps. Hangups. Yeah. Inconveniences for a skilled party. You print or write down those special abilities that you can find in the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode or at the very least go find this episode on hookandchance.com and then you'll find all of the details there you print it out give it to each player then you can find whatever baddie creature monster you're going to use for your game for that spirit's physical form to take and you're going to of course add all of these six abilities to their final form so that they've got a lot to play with. And then, and most importantly, you're going to hop onto Tabletop Audio and you're going to use their custom sound pad option to cook yourself up some really fun musical cues. You know, for the flute, I would recommend there's a, a jungle set of sound effects. Oh, yeah. There's a flute in there that's particularly creepy. So I'm sure you can find something awesome on, say, uh, YouTube or something like that. But like, build yourself a custom sound pad, add some like tension building, you know, the kind of ticking uh, mm. kind of soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah, Tabletop Audio has a lot of those things. This is the biggest endorsement we've ever actually done for table. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we mention it in every episode, yeah. but it's such a great tool. Uh, yeah. 
So there's also some, I think we talked about this forever ago on this show, but like some pretty horrifying sounding instruments out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like death whistles and water phone. Or that phone. is just not okay. If you use the like Bolivian death whistle or whatever, the Colombian death whistle, I forget who who invented that terrible thing. But just don't saying. do that to your players and <laughs> play the death Fine. whistle sound. <laughs> Look at the lights while you do it. You're an animal. Yeah. One last caveat. In the spirit of this whole like last minute Halloween kind of session <laughs> that we've been pitching, we have not tested any of these rules. Sorry. <laughs> if that wasn't obvious as I was learning half of them for the first time. Correct. Uh, yeah. So this was very last minute. Thanks again to Lila Leprechaun and Dangerous Marmalade who all attended the special patron-only brainstorming session. You can join them the next time we do something like this by being a patron of the show, but they helped with all of this. Uh, We really appreciate their input. And uh, yeah, let us know, speaking of input, if you attempt any of this, I really want to know how it goes because, yeah, it's untested. Or maybe just a little bit of it, it inspires something that you do end up using in one of your spookier games. Yeah, for longer descriptions of all of those steps and rules and what have you, go check the show notes. Big thanks again to all of our patrons of the show who helped make this horrifying shit possible. Yeah, and that we haunt on the regular with these episodes. <laughs> Inigo the Brave. Adam F. Alex R. Steve A. Kaleidoscope. Gallery. Sue Art. Blackthorn. First Law. Peacock Dreams. DM Thunderbum. Marley R. Time Warp. Dangerous Marmalade. No Ma'am. Michelle T. Adlerius. Chris F. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. The GM Tim. DM Natsuki. Heavy Arms. Leprechaun. And Will HP. Thank you all so much. Go. Hookandchance.com. Find the rules. You, The clock is ticking. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> yeah. You better start getting prepared. If you're listening to this when we're releasing it, you are... Almost completely out of time. <laughs> We're great. We're and great if you're listening course. after, then you've got like a whole year. Yeah, don't worry about so it. So you can leave it for <laughs> the weekend before. You can join the excellent and fruitful community of players and DMs on our Discord who always have ideas. There's starting to be some pretty cool art that people are sharing that they make on there. Yeah, it's always popping off. So come and join us. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and look out for gore holes in your friends. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, you know you're in trouble.